tēnā tātou katoa, nau mai piki mai ki te pūtahi. Ko Kingi Gilbert tōku ingoa, he uria hau no tainui te aroa a me tokomaru waka. Today's episode is on anxiety, stress and looking at some of the disciplines of psychology. We are here with Dr. Piki Huia Pōmare and Professor Linda Waimārie Nikora. Kia Dr. Piki Huia Pōmare is a registered clinical psychologist and a lecturer at Massey University and the director of Huia Psychology. Professor Linda Waimārie Nikora is currently Professor of Indigenous Studies and co-director of Ngāpai o Te Maramatanga at the University of Auckland. Linda was previously at the University of Waikato where she had been a professor of psychology and the founding director of the Māori and Psychology Research Unit in the School of Psychology. Tēnā kōrua, no mai piki mai ki te pūtahi. My friend and panellist today is Tui Gilling. Kia ora Tui, pēhiana koe. Uh, tēnā koutou katoa e te iwi, ko Tui Gilling tōku ingoa, ko te whanaua apanui, te iwi, na mihi. Uh, Professor Waimārie, nohia koe. Oh, tēnā koe, um, Kingi Tui, uh, koutou e, e mātaki mai. Um, ko Waimārie tōku ingoa, ko um, tūhoi me te aitanga hau i ti oku iwi. Um, ai, koe ra, kia ora. Tēnā koe. Uh, Right, Tui, kia ora. Pass the baton oh. to you. Kia ora. Uh, my first partai is to you, Waimarie. And um, could you just give the whanau a bit of an idea what the difference between psychology and psychiatry is? Mm, that's a really good question, and it's one that um, uh, is often quite confusing, trying to figure out the difference between all these uh, professional handles. Um, I think the critical difference for me between a psychiatrist and a psychologist is that a psychiatrist tends to use drug therapy uh, in their treatment um, approaches, and psychologists tend to use um, approaches that are more about uh, looking at how we live, um, the circumstances that we're living in, um, and how our thoughts, our, our thinking, our relationships affect the way in which we feel uh, and the like. And so it's sort of working more in that zone as opposed to in the drug therapy zone. Uh, Piki Huya might want to add to that. Kia Yeah, um, so f for, um, I get this question a lot from my whānau as well. Um, and with the psychiatry, they're primarily uh, medical doctors. So they come through that sort of training and then they specialize in psychiatry. Um, and, and Ahurangi, um, Professor Linda's correct, they, um, their approach tends to be more of um, medication. And they do do some other um, forms of um, interventions as well, but primarily medication, where psychologists, uh, clinical psychologists use therapy, talk therapy, and other types of approaches. Um, yeah, so that's 
the main difference between the two psychiatrists and psychologists. So what is this thing called stress and anxiety? What are the symptoms and, and how is it caused? I think that we, yeah, um, stress and, and anxiety is probably something that we've all experienced at some time in our life. And in particular during this period where we've been um, in isolation in Rahui, it's um, become quite amplified. And, um, and I think uh, in different ways as well, because it's because we're experiencing something that we've never experienced before. And it's, um, you know, there was a lot of fear out there. And I think that can really contribute to um, not understanding and, and having that, um, that response in our tenana of, of, of that shock. So um, that can manifest in many different ways and it can come out as anxiety or it can come out as um, anger or riri. Um, mm. There can be many different responses that, our, that we experience in our tenana or um, psychologically. So mm. um, yeah, I think it's quite a relevant kaupapa for us at the moment, but it's something that we can relate to generally as Māori, um, and yeah, most people can, I'd say. Mm. Mm. And Professor, just, yeah, aye. Can yeah, just adding to that, stress and anxiety isn't always a bad thing. Mm. Uh, I know that, for example, if you're in a kapaka team and you're approaching the regionals or, or the nationals and you're about to get on the stage, um, you know, you experience, you, you're hyped. Um, and that feeling of being hyped um, uh, can be both positive and negative. So if you're hyped to the point of getting on the stage and then suddenly you're stage struck, then that's not very productive. Yeah? But if you're hyped in the, in the sense of being able to uh, do a, a fantastic performance and take out the winning prize, then that's a good thing. Um, it's the same experience in terms of... Um, playing a rugby game or um, driving the car for the first time. Um, there are feelings of stress and anxiety uh, that um, go with those um, kinds of activities. So some stress is good, some anxiety is good. Um, the problem comes when uh, it manifests and drives us to um, positions that are not productive for us. Mm. How do you think whānau are dealing with the changes in COVID? I think that, that the Māori response, the Māori community, the iwi, our own whānau response has been remarkable. Mm. Um, you know, it's, you know, I go back to that getting on the kapahaka stage, you know. Um, we were moving through, up through the alert levels. Our anxiety was, was raised, being raised. We were stressed about what does this all mean. Um, but the way in which our whānau and that responded um, to keeping... Um, themselves and each other safe um, it's just remarkable um, so it was kind of like okay we we're hearing the messages we need to stay at home we need to uh, dig in for the long haul we need to make sure our food supplies are all all kind of happening um, and that we're in communication in respect of having to be in these peculiar things called bubbles um, I don't know who came up with that term but I think you know we could have been a little bit more creative there um, so I think that the response um, that um, Māori communities themselves made um, and a capacity for our whānau to see those responses being made um, really um, calmed us down a lot in terms of 
having this feeling that we will be able to get through this, that we're going to be okay, that there's going to be life after this, that um, uh, the prospects of um, um, uh, mounting uh, stress on our health system and um, the horror images that were coming out of Italy and the like were not going to happen here. Uh, and so I think that was really reassuring. Um, the way in which parents kicked in with kids at home, you know, and engaging in the education, the whole um, exercise at home routine, um, uh, those things were all really, really reassuring, I think. Um, having said that, I got a little bit bored along the way as well. It's sort of like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over this. <laughs> um, and um, that's, that was at the point where we started dropping down through the elite levels. It doesn't mean to say that the threat hasn't disappeared. It's still very much there, and it's going to be with us for a long time. And so um, there's going to be a certain amount of stress um, upon us, anxiety upon us. Um, and, you know, I can see people taking uh, and, and converting and transforming that stress into productive um, outcomes. So, for example, volunteeringly, voluntarily wearing masks, wearing gloves, um, putting a sanitizer pack in the boot of the car and that becomes your sanitizing um, uh, station. Um, doing all those things and, and that helps, really helps to enable people to feel as if they're in control of, of the circumstance um, and are able to do something about it, which is a really, really important thing when, um, when you're talking about stress and anxiety. Picky, who are you from a clinical point of view and, and working with some whānau, do you have any insights? Um, well, there's been, I think just today, because we, uh, you know, now we're starting to experience a bit more freedom, um, people are starting to get that sense of more having more space to move around and a bit more freedom. Um, but I think there's still quite a lot of issues in particular for us as Māori, that are, you know, are still um, quite present because of the restrictions that we're under at the moment. And I'm thinking of things like tangihanga as being something that's quite, um, yeah, topical at the moment. Um, I think for me personally, being able to extend my um, miru miru, my bubble, has been a good thing because it's meant that I've been able to enlist the total core of more Fano members, um, and that um, alleviates some of my, you know, taimaha. Um, but I think there's, yeah, there's still that element of um, unknown about the virus, and um, and there's still, yeah, I think there's. It's still there, it's, there's still that feeling of, you know, we still have to protect ourselves, in particular people who are in that position of being a bit more vulnerable, like our kaumatua, um, and uh, other people who have those vulnerabilities, um, if they've been Māwiwi recently. Tina kōrua. Sounds like a balance. A little bit of stress is okay, but not too much. And transforming that stress and anxiety into something productive. Kia ora, tui. Um, I just thought I'd, I'd move on and just ask um, Waimarie, just, um, I've got a quote here from the Ministry of Health. Um, and what, according to the Ministry of Health in 2014, um, they said Māori carry a disproportionately large burden of psychological distress, 
mood disorders, anxiety disorders, bipolar disorder and depression. So what is your assessment of well-being now? Also, uh, just in response to that uh, remarkable list that you um, have, have um, um, articulated, it's all true. Um, we are seriously disproportionate in terms of that burden uh, of unwellness. Um, you know, by and large, I think the stats are something like one in five, one in seven, depending upon um, whether you're male, female, or otherwise. Um, some of us uh, are going to experience a um, uh, depressive event, let's just say a depressive event. The nature of that may well take many forms um, sometime in our lifetime. Uh, Mason Jury a few years back said that we are going to be facing an, an epidemic in terms of um, mental health uh, for Māori people. And he's absolutely right. So the notion of having to deal with a pandemic versus the epidemics of uh, mental health, domestic violence, um, incarceration, and all the other lists that we could have, or items we could have added to that list, it's huge. So, so how do I respond to the nature of our wellness now? I think, again, we're hugely um, resistant. I, I don't like using the word resilient um, because it tends to mean then follow that um, uh, you're the... Um, um, you're to both blame uh, and uh, for your um, situation and, and you're the only one who can actually dig yourself out of that situation. Um, I think for Māori, our history has been one of resistance um, and it continues to this day. Um, so yes, we, we do carry a huge burden in that respect. Much of it is um, related to inequities within the health system. So those are questions around access to services, um, how receptive and responses those responsive those services are to us. So for example, if our experience has been uh, not a pleasant one in terms of going to see the doctor or um, trying to get help, then, then we're not going to go back and, and pursue that direction. I mean, that's that's pretty basic 101 psychology. If you don't like it or if you've been burned by it before, you're not gonna go back there. Um, so, yep, we tend to present late. We tend to um, uh, not get the help that we absolutely deserve and should be receiving. Moving on from that, I mean, there's quite a few things that Fano would would need to look for when they're looking for um, um, professionals um, when seeking professional input for issues like anxiety and stress. Um, one of those is about codes and codes of practice. Um, I was just wondering, um, Pikihuya, if you could comment on that? Um, codes of practice. Are, are you talking about something specifically there? Oh, I was talking about patient. I guess I'm talking about patients and the mm. code of practice that medical pra professionals have. Um, yeah, so we have a code of ethics as well. Um, I think that might be what you're referring to as well. And, and we have um, core competencies as psychologists. So all the different health professionals who are registered are um, registered under the HPCA, which is a Health um, Practitioners Act, um, which means, yeah, we do have to uphold certain standards for um, everybody that comes to see us. Um, and in regards to your question around when whānau are 
looking at, I think you're asking around engagement possibly and what they can expect um, or what, what, how do they know when they need to go and reach out for total call beyond their whanau. And um, I think that is a difficult one because, um, you know, my rangahau, my doctoral research was on engaging Māori in um, mental health services, particularly for young people. And um, a lot of the, the whanau that I talked to um, had been seen by a Māori team. So their experience was one where they felt, um, you know, they didn't have to feel that whakama, they didn't have to feel um, that they were being judged and that the way in which um, the practitioners were engaging with them with whanaungatanga um, and doing things like offering karakia because it can be quite a frightening experience going to talk about your um, your difficulties, things that you don't usually share with people. So these types of practices help alleviate some of that um, worry. And I think um, it's difficult because there are, you know, while we're building our capacity and our critical mass, there's still um, not enough Māori and working in this mahi and possibly um, the how this, well, how the services are aligned at the moment mean that, um, you know, that you can't guarantee that when you go to see someone that they might know how to, um, how to respond appropriately. Mm. So, um, so I think it, it can be difficult for whanau to navigate that system. And, um, and I think actually within our own, my experience is that we have a lot of mātauranga already within our own whānau and within ourselves actually and within um, our own networks and so um, being able to draw, draw on that mātauranga is really essential because you know like Linda has said um, earlier, Waimari has said earlier, we've been able to survive so many different adversities over the years you know centuries now and um, you know what are the things that and the things that helped our tūpuna are the same things that are helpful for us and how you know even in these modern contexts how can we draw on those things um so it's not to say that you don't go to seek professional help but to know that to be empowered to know that there is already a lot within us that we have to draw on as well and um yeah and i think that that that's underestimated by the um, western world generally speaking we prior to this we did some research and we found a couple of frameworks, the Fare Tapafa framework, and there was also mention of Modi Toe. Would you could you uh, please give us an idea about what those what are the ideas in that and how they may benefit some of our whānau, our hokainga, uh, maybe some of those who don't have easy access to uh, a service, a, a psychologist service, their whānau. How what, what would be the insight for them? Shall I have a shot at that? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, um, uh, I guess, you know, um, professionals have different ways of packaging advice and, and two of those ways of what you just mentioned there uh, in terms of um, the whare tapafa model um, advocated in, uh, by um, Mason Jury, Ta Mason, um, and the Modi Tau model um, and um, I'm not too sure who actually um, it's within psychology service circles we talk about 
uh, Modi and the importance of Modi uh, all the time. Um, but I want to, to perhaps just go back to um, uh, the question about, you know, when do we know that there is a, a, a problem uh, within our within our whanau? And secondly, what are some of the good practices that we can use to prevent problems arising? Um, so if I can use the analogy of someone breaking a leg and having to, to ring 111, right? So when, when something's going, going wrong that we can see, so you know someone's um, broken their leg or they're having a heart attack or they're doing something peculiar out of the ordinary, um, we will tend to sit there and go, is this a 111 moment? Um, and then we suddenly decide, yes, it is a 111 moment. And we're on the phone and, and rattling up a service of sorts to, to come and assist and, and help us. With um, uh, stress, anxiety, psychological um, distress, that one-one-one moment is not so obvious uh, to us. And so, what we need to know is well, well, how do we recognise those? This is a one-one-one moment. Um, and so, uh, and Pikihuia uh, might want to um, elaborate from a clinical perspective, but it's basically if anyone is doing something really out of the ordinary, when they're not doing what they usually do, that it's a bit weird or out of character or um, unusual. So that could be anything from um, sleeping all day uh, or just not engaging and they're sort of um, not wanting to talk to anyone. They're, they're seem to be gone inside of themselves um, or they're crying all the time or um, they are just super active, for example. So there are different extremes along the way, but things that are out of the ordinary or out of character for someone should start to signal to us that something's not quite right and we might need to attend here. Pikihuya. Yeah, um, I think you're right, um, Waimadi, that there are times where it's like, okay, no, this is this is actually becoming um a, a problem and it usually manifests in relationships so if you know um things are not going well so there's trouble in um interpersonal relationships within the whanau or with partners or friends and people start to withdraw from those relationships or there's a lot of um conflict i think that's one of the areas that starts to show itself and then things like um as as um Waimadi was talking about low mood um and some of the behaviors that can come along with that um like with withdrawing and just not having energy or being having a, a lot of energy and being really um dede, I guess would be the word to describe it mm -hmm. so yeah there's different ways that we all respond because we're all different and um, if it starts to become something that becomes significant to the point where it's starting to get in the way of people's functioning, that's how you know, okay, you know, we need to look into this a bit more. And I think Te Whare Tapafa provides a good model of, of being able to even assess that because you can, um, one of the ways that it can be used is looking at all of those different facets of our of our. Um, of our functioning and saying, well, how how's our tinana? How are we feeling with our tinana? Uh, you know, are we feeling like we're not wanting to eat or we're eating too much? 
those kind of things. How's our heningaroa? How's our emotional well-being? Are we feeling um, a lot of anger? Are we feeling a lot of um, just worry? Um, and then, you know, you can look at those whānau and social relationships. And then I think wairua is a really good measure, you know, and something that can be often missed um, by um, other mainstream um, services. But I think checking in on those things, you know, how's your, how's your ngāko doing? Um, and being able to check in with yourself uh, is something that maybe we don't do enough as Māori because mm. we're so... Um, orientated to looking after everyone else a lot of the time which you know um, that's just that's really important for us but sometimes we need to actually look at how are we doing ourselves as well mm. um, so yeah there's there's different models that have been developed and I think um, Te Whare Tapawha resonates because it's um, you know we can think of a whare we can think about those walls that need to be all um, strong together um, and with the Māori Tau framework as well, there's many different frameworks, but um, I think what they all um, draw on is our own metaphors and our own um, whakaaro that, you know, and tikanga and mātauranga that's been passed down. Um, there's been um, a lot of talk about various digital health apps, especially coming out now, um, I was just wondering what your views are on with hangaro and tech, and is that something that the whānau can utilise, given that I know there's also difficulties with um, access to digital advices, etc. So what, what are you, both of your views on, on that? I would encourage whānau to use and access anything and everything that they feel comfortable accessing and that um, creates meaning for them. So if that's an app that's on a phone that, you know, um, beeps every hour for you to sort of just check in with yourself, uh, take a deep breath, then, then I think that that's really, really helpful. Um, if it's just simply going online and learning more about uh, stress, anxiety, depression, uh, all kinds of other um, psychological um, challenges, then, then that's really good. Educating yourself about... Um, how to be well is, a, is a, an important activity we should all be doing. Um, and so it's really about finding meaning in the, the apps that are there, um, deriving um, what benefit you can, um, and then um, <clears throat> not moving on from those apps, but building um, the range of resources available um, to help us navigate our lives. Mm. Yeah, it's been quite interesting during COVID because we have been forced into the online environment, <laughs> which has been easy for the digital natives, you know, the younger um, generation. But I think um, for those who aren't used to using apps like Zoe, oh, sorry, Zoom, have now had to adjust to, you know, how, and there's, um, so that's been a real big learning curve for some people. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've got a Marsden project at the moment um, looking at what young people do online for their mental health. Mm. And there can be a perception out there that um, spend, having too much screen time isn't good. And I think there is some truth to that for, for us as well. I noticed if I've been on online for too long, um, 
Martina and I start to get a bit stiff and, and uh, yeah, I think it's important to get out and get some fresh air and, um, you know, get outside. But I think what I really loved is seeing how creative people are being on um, online. So there are lots of resources that have been shared online. You know, we've got the ability to call our whanau and do those um, FaceTime calls. So I think, yeah, it's a space that um, we do have to be careful about how we navigate because things um, that can happen in real life can be transferred online, things like bullying and um, those kind of, uh, you know, that maybe those sides that we need to be cautious about online, but also there's the, there's the good sides to it as well. Um, the whanaungatanga that we can do online. Um, but for me personally, it doesn't replace the kanohi ki te kanohi. Just to add to that, there's there's a real loneliness that can also be experienced in the digital space. Um, so while it can serve the need to connect um, and enhance our relationships, um, there's the other side to it that it can actually serve to exacerbate our feelings of disconnectedness um, and um, loneliness. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just quickly to add to that, if you are feeling, if people are feeling um, really low already and they go online, sometimes a social comparison aspect can come into it, which can make feel, people feel worse. So mm -hmm. I think we have to know when, we, um, when we're feeling like that, that it's good to look at other options, um, reaching out for support other ways and not just um, going to that kind of auto- um, pilot of going online on social media. Um, do you have an assessment of how well our rangatahi have done, are doing mentally throughout this, these different levels? Well, I can talk from my own experience. <laughs> it's been a roller coaster, I'd have to say. I think, um, yeah, like because because people are in all sorts of different situations, you know, um, my context is different to other people that I know. So um, I think with, with my, in my own experience, I'd, I'd say because um, my tamariki are so used to being online, that's, that's been a good thing for them. Um, but I think they've still ex had those experience of, experiences of stress and anxiety and it's still coming, it's still coming out in different ways. Um, which initially, even though I'm a clinical psychologist, I was like, what's going on here? You know, what's this? Why are they behaving like this? And um, just pressing buttons and things like that. Mm. But, and then taking a step back and going, oh, actually, yeah. But, you know, and different developmental levels as well. You know, the young ones respond different to um, the older ones in my um, seven-year-old was saying, oh, mamai taku manawa, mamai taku manawa, and he was, you know, experiencing it like that. So I thought, oh, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, um, and then my teenager who's just turned 18, he's he's having a bit of a rough time because, you know, he, he's not seeing his mates and he's not been able to celebrate his 18th birthday and have a party like they usually do when they're turning that age. and. Um, he hasn't been able to do kapahaka, he had the polyfest that he missed. So all of these, I think we all experience it in different ways. Mm. Um, and so for me, it was about getting on their level and trying to understand how they were experiencing it. 
which can be hard sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't have a good grasp of, of how rangatahi are getting on at the moment because my bubble has been uh, shared with a 70 plus year old um, who manifests rangatahi behaviours, I think. Um, and, um, and part of my challenge in terms of um, kaumatu in our house is, is that they are used to their independence. Um, and um, uh, it's not that they can't understand what's going on. It's just that, you know, it's, it's sort of like, well, I still got to go shopping. I, you know, I, I can still do that. And for as much as you sit there and say, no, it's not safe to do that. <laughs> um, and so if we reflect on the other end of the um, equation and more holistically, um, there's a lot that we need to be grieving about. And it's not just about those people who have passed through this period. It's about the loss of freedoms, the loss of opportunities, the loss of futures. Uh, so for example, you might've had a young person anticipating a great OE. Uh, well, they're not gonna be flying overseas anytime soon. Um, so, you know, there's, there's been a lot of losses to grieve about during this period beyond um, the domain of, of Tangihana. Um, and I don't think we've actually um, engaged that um, area of our lives um, as well as what we should be engaging. Um, and that uh, for rangatahi in terms of, of, of um, loss of opportunity and future and, and activity and, and whatnot, um, that's gonna be huge, um, particularly when we consider who is actually going to bear the burden of uh, rebuilding Aotearoa New Zealand's future? Um, and it's going to be our rangatahi and the younger generations because this is going to be a long haul for all of us. What are your thoughts on grieving and some of those cultural ways that may be held? Um, should we allow ourselves to grieve privately, publicly? Is there... Do you have any advice for our whānau out there? Yeah, I, I, I have a lot to say on that topic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so with um, Professor Nahuya Tewe Kōtuku, who and I uh, did a, a large um, a study around uh, tangihana, Māori ways of mourning and grieving. Um, and one of, the way, one of the things that puzzles me uh, during this period of time is our fixation on only one aspect of the tangihana experience. And that tends to be around um, a final service of sorts and the nehu and the burial. Um, and to me, that really parallels something that I know of called a funeral. Um, and so um, what I want to do is to actually broaden the conversation and say, look, our tangihana rituals are not just about that. That's just one aspect mm. of our ways of mourning and grieving. Mm. Um, and um, we've got to uh, go back and, and better understand what we do at Tangihana. We have waves of uh, ope, and I call them healing waves of ope that roll over the, the, those who are in grief uh, in supportive, embracing and helpful ways. Um, and so what does that mean? That means that it's not just one contact, it's not just one event, it's many contacts and many events over long periods of time. Uh, so beyond the, the, the tangihana itself, through into kawemate phases, through into 
Purukohatu, unveiling and memorializing beyond um, the point of um, a passing. And just thinking back to um, uh, periods in our um, history where we've had to deal with um, our rituals being interrupted in some form or fashion. So World War I, World War II, we had people pass overseas who did not return to Aotearoa New Zealand. Um, and that was hard, um, but we um, uh, navigated that process uh, in different ways in terms of grieving that loss in the lives of not just the people who were immediately impacted, i.e. the whānau pani, but whole communities. Um, and we continue to mourn those losses, those passings, and to remember. And the, that's probably the most important thing, is to remember. Mm. Um, the last thing I want to say on this is that um, our tangihana rituals are about creating tipuna. It's the way in which we go about creating our tipuna. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, anything that's worth creating is worth a little bit of pain along the way. And that's why we hurt. That's why it's hard. Um, but it's the way in which we find new ways of carrying them forward continuously in the lives that we have. So it's not about letting go. It's not about getting over it. Uh, it's about finding new ways to carry them forward. Um, so I think a lot of the conversation has been focused in the area of loss and pain. Um, and I think it's, that's important, but I also think it's more important to think, think more broadly um, about the gifts that our tipuna have left to us uh, relative to how to, to cope well uh, through these times. Kia ora. Piki Kia I think. Um, colonization has played a huge role in terms of our grieving process and that whole okay three days and you're back into your normal life and um, actually it's a it's much bigger than that um, and you know I think one of the strengths that we have as Māori is being able to do things like write away at the tangi mm -hmm. and actually fully embody that you know express those emotions and let it come out and that's really healthy thing to do um, and something that Māori are really good at is, you know, being creative, writing waiata, uri uri, um, motiatea. Um, and in terms of emotions, generally, I think I'm always somebody who will encourage people to express those. Mm. And sometimes we don't know that we are um, feeling a certain way. And I think um, maybe linking back to the Māori taukōrero, that's where we can do things like... Um, which is to really sit with ourselves in Nohopuku and actually check in and go, well, what's going on in, inside of me? You know, what's my puku, what's the information, the mataranga that my body mm -hmm. is giving me to tell me um, that, you know, I, you know, my modi is down at the moment? Mm -hmm. And why is it down? Sometimes mm -hmm. we can forget, okay, we've just had this massive kaupapa, we've lost the job, we've um, you know, lost somebody close to us or a whole number of different things are going on and that's contributing to how we're feeling. Um, so I think expressing emotions in a healthy way and finding those positive outlets to um, let those come through and, and move move through us are really good. And I think um, drawing on our tūpuna and 
um, like I was making a rewana bug, for example, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is actually really hard. <laughs> so I was like, you know, using my mindfulness skills and, and okay, yes, it's bubbling away. Oh, it needs a bit more of a feed. Oh no, it's, that's not the right spot. It's too cold there. But, you know, my, my nan, my nana, she was a ganak rewana. So I was like, well, how would she have, you know, very practical wahine, how would she have, what had, which would she have done in this situation? So um, that for me has been a really nice part of this process is being able to have that time and for things, other things to fall away and actually have that time to focus on um, things like, you know, being able to make it iwana. Which I'm still trying to perfect, by the way. I haven't quite gotten there, but... <laughs> I Give can, me a few more years, maybe. <laughs> I can think of many taonga our tupuna left us, uh, for kairo rako, for kai weaving, making yeah. poi, all of these things. Seem Any other tips and ideas you have that our whanau can use to uh, modi tau? Or, mm. you know, if they think, oh, hey, my modi's flying a little hard right now. Maybe I should. What do you got? Any ideas? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Really ideas, yeah. But you know, I, I think I just start with the basics, and the basics for me are good sleep. Sleep is a really important healing um, activity. Uh, so good sleep um, does does wonders. Um, so make sure that, that you're getting good regular sleep. Uh, secondly, routines. Routines really help us. Um, get through um, stressful, anxiety-raising times. Uh, so routines like going to bed at a good time, getting up at a, a good time. If you're working from home, getting into your work clothes, um, uh, you know, scheduling your day in terms of morning tea, afternoon tea, if you've got anything to eat uh, and not engaged in survival activities. But routines, trying to keep your routines, because once those start to fade away, then then we're beginning to get into um, uh, risky territory. Um, and also embracing um, some of the things that we do anyway. So for example, karakia, um, but not just doing it as a rote exercise. So, you know, you sit down and you say, okay, Mary, say grace, grace is finished and that's it. Um, but really slowing that down and feeling through the process of karakia. Mm. Even if you don't understand the words, um, karakia is great in terms of just centering us, um, getting those uh, opportunities to just sit with ourselves um, and enabling us to move from one activity into another activity. So that's really, really important. Um, things like making poi, making rewana, making, uh, making things, being creative um, are, are, are really um, excellent ways of um, calming the mind. Um, and in psychology, they're called sort of mindfulness activities where you get into the groove of doing something um, and you, you're so into it that you just carry on doing it. Um, it's where our mind can relax and, and uh, get some freedom from some of the anxiety that's, that's out there. Um, one um, activity that is really, really great for bringing anxiety down and stress down um, and also helping us to enhance our concentration is uh, waiata mō When you sing a waiata mō it's very hard to worry about something else. Mm. 
Um, and it also helps us to regulate our breathing. It's hard to um, uh, not have to breathe deeply when you're doing a waiata motete. You do have to breathe deeply um, while you're doing it. So really encouraging um, practices like that um, because they're, they're, they're good for the tinana, they're good for the wairua, um, and they help to center our maidi along the way. Yeah, I love karakia too. For me, it's um, actually helps. If I find that my my whakaru are all over the place, I find that um, some of the karakia that have, you know, where there's kupu there ready for me to focus, help me focus my hiningaru and my thoughts. Um, and um, they actually provide some inspiration because it's through saying those kupu um, and, and actually connecting to the kupu where I can actually, you know, get that sense of mauri tau again. Um, but for me, it's really getting out in the taiao, being able to immerse myself um, in um, either the ngahere or the moana. And I know that's something that you do a lot of um, kingi. Um, but, you know, we went out to Tehinga the other day, me and my tamariki, and um, Tayo, my 10-year-old, um, was just in those waves. And he said, oh, mum, this is better than... Um, Rainbow's End. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, that's really cool, son, you know? And um, we're exploring out there, and there's the wind and it's open, and, you know, Kapura and Aho. So we're getting all that, um, all the goodness that comes from our atua and the elements. Um, so, you know, some some people, they really love the moana. That's something for them, that way that that really way order that really helps kind of clear them and settle their modi. Some people it's getting in the bush. Um, if you're lucky enough to be able to live near some bush, um, hunting and, and getting kai for the whanau. But even um, just really, you know, focusing on your breath, te ha. Um, because we do have within ourselves, we have those, um, both those atua, tu matawenga and rongo, and sometimes, you know, it gets a bit out of balance. And so Maurito is about bringing it back into balance again and finding that um, that good place, that equilibrium. And so, you know, for me, I know I come across as quite a toe person generally, <laughs> I'd say, but I do have that feisty side within me and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> how can I bring myself back to that Maurito? So those practices are really important for me um, especially, you know, I've got, I've had four boys here parenting on my own and sometimes it just, the balance gets out. So it's being able to go, okay, what do I need to do now? Okay, a cup of tea would be really nice actually, you know, or something, you know, just something lighthearted to um, make me um, refocus my whakaaro. So yeah, it's finding the strategy that works for you because everyone, we're all different and we all have different things that, that can help us really bring us back to that um, balanced state again. Me huri atu tātou ki te ao Māori. Aye. Our knowledge is there, just hearing all a beautiful karakia. Uh, you're right. I went for a, a paddle and I was refreshed and rejuvenated and I felt tau, mm -hmm. yeah, kua tau. You know, Māori are pretty good psychologists and, and understanders of relationships and... and, and um, and behaviors, we're, we're quite attuned to each other. Um, and and so really it's it's just saying, yep, 
to the Hoko Kainga at home, you're not wrong. Um, you know, you're probably um, um, uh, on to um, challenges that are going on in your environment. Um, and there are ways and means of, of dealing with that. And, you know, I know that, um, you know, within my own family, um, there's many ways and means of, of taking time out uh, and signaling that. And that might be because, you know, sort of mum's come through the room and she's giving you the look. Um, and so you know that that look is, don't go and ask her that now. <laughs> um, so we, 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 we understand each other in different kinds of ways. Um, I also want to definitely say that sometimes um, circumstances are that you do need to make a one 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 call, that you do need to reach out for help. Um, and um, I'd encourage people who feel as if that's where they need to go, to go there. Um, because by, by that time, if they're feeling that's where they need to go, uh, sometimes we're um, we're in danger of territory. So, just encouraging people if they need to reach out for help, reach out for that help. Uh, and in these um, uh, circumstances where we've been in lockdown, where our, our our relationships have been confined, then we need to actually look out to those immediately around us. So that might be a neighbour, uh, that might be a service person who's passing by. Um, that those are all options in terms of of of, of help. Mm. Yeah, total call, absolutely. If there's some risk concerns, I think that's definitely a time where you you have to act um, and and reach out for that professional support. And there are a lot of helplines available, and um, the mental health services as well. Um, and they're you know trained and and they know how to help people in those crisis situations. So don't don't endure if you are in that situation or um, one of your loved ones or your whanau member or close friend is um, in that situation. Um, we have supports out there. I look forward to uh, assessing my life a little bit more with these new tools and skills and finding a nice sense of peace and balance. And also, for me, looking at some of those old Māori things, which may already be existing just around us that are there and ready to help us. So, tēnā kōrua. We like to finish our uh, show on a, with a whakatauki. Vicky, who are you? Uh, mine would be he kākano koe iruia mai i rangiatea e kore koe ngaro. Um, so, just just remember that um, you know we all are the um, image of our supina that have navigated these across the Moananuia Kiwa to here, and um, we are connected to them always and connected to each other, um, and and we can draw strengths from that um, moving forward. <laughs> Wai Marie, do you have a fakatoki that you might like to share with us? Hi, Kel Maurito. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our segment. Once again, I'd like to thank you for making your time and sharing your knowledge and insights with us and our hokainga and our whanau that are listening. Kia ora koutou. We look forward to catching up with you next time on Te Pūtahi. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora.